Comedy Pods proudly presents Garrett Teitelbaum, It's Nice to See He's Working. Welcome to Garrett Teitelbaum, It's Nice to See He's Working, and it is episode 129. If you're listening this to the if you are listening to this, the day it comes out, it is October the 16th, and this weekend at the University of Pittsburgh, you can see episode two of season four of Pit Tonight. I've got today on the show the two head writers for season four, Lorenzo DeSilvio and Claire Donaher. How are you two doing today? I'm doing great, Garrett. How are you doing? I've been good, Claire. Good. I'm good, too. <laughs> Loving it. Thanks. Having a wonderful time here on a beautiful Tuesday, if you're listening to this, the day it comes <laughs> out, which again is October the 16th, thanks to radio and technology. Lorenzo, you were just lucky enough uh, a week ago to be a part of the opening night at the Burning Bridges Comedy Festival. That's true. The club. Excuse me, John. I, I ruined it. No one's going to... No one. <laughs> I blew it. Lorenzo... Um, You've been a part of the stand-up scene longer than I have. You've been here since you were... 17. 17 years old. Mm-hmm. What, is, what does having that opportunity to be a part of the first night of the first independent comedy club we've had here in town mean to you? I think, I, I think it means a lot just in terms of it's maybe the most exciting thing that's happened in stand-up for a long time in terms of... It's done by stand-ups. It's very clearly for stand for this people in the scene to get better. It's just it'll be a fun night. Also, if you've never seen Sam Talent, he's amazing. Yeah, like he's ridiculous. He's one of those people where you watch and you're like I'm trash. I'm trash, and I feel bad about how I haven't worked hard enough. I think from from the first time I've seen him and I've gotten to see him twice now that he's come through it was the first year of the Burning Bridges Comedy Festival when mm-hmm. he came through, and he's such a big personality and from anyone that's come through our city since over the few years that we've had the festival and now the club there's nobody who doesn't have just the most nice things to say about him yeah he's uh when he came for that burning bridges uh i couldn't go to his show because i was under 21 and it was a club and club had been very picky about it uh, recently, yeah. Um, and I went to another one of show. It was one of those "shut up and say something funny," and we just talked outside of the like venue. Just uh, there was a taco truck. I was drinking a pineapple soda, and he just <laughs> he was he, he was he's just a sweet bear of a man. He's yeah. just adorable and <sighs> hilarious. Now, Claire, you're another one who I believe when performing at venues like Club Cafe, because you started at a younger age, like Lorenzo, 18 uh-huh. years old, you had to like wait outside. They don't let you inside of the facilities all the time yeah. to perform. It was, uh, was kind of nice because I knew most of the people that were like going out. So they like, I, I don't know, I just kind of like went in and like didn't drink anything. You know, I kept my head down. And no one really said anything. So it was like, okay, because like I came in with a bunch of people that were over 21. So like, I guess they assumed I was. You can blend in. <laughs> I'm very mature. <laughs> so it uh, it was okay. Um, and I, I was really nervous because I always like thought the cops were going to come in like guns blazing because, you Just know. Just at you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm little. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun getting into it I've been taking a little bit of a hiatus just because um like with engineering there's just a lot of classes I have to take to play catch up a little bit but um I hope to start doing it again next semester maybe but 
really fun. Yeah. Now with Pit Tonight, obviously there's a lot that comes with going from a regular writer to now one of the two head writers, the two mm-hmm. of you kind of running the show. What has been the biggest transition now that you've got an episode under your belt and you're working towards episode two for the new season? Um, it's kind of weird just because there's less head writers than there were last year. So like, yeah, yeah it's a lot just pretty much on me and Lorenzo and at first, I would like get really like stressed out because I was like, I have so many classes, and like I'm worried I'm not gonna be able to like commit myself like enough. But it's been a little like less um, crazy than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, that first one we had like no time to do it. We had we had one weekend essentially to yeah. get it all together, and mm-hmm. we had done some stuff online, but that's always hard to finagle and get people to do. But the second one, we've had just a better hand of going and getting people together, writing down the stuff and actually putting out an episode also just we've had to become like leader leaders just in terms of i keep saying in terms of well the show has now gotten to the point where (laughs) Mm -hmm. the original host is gone the original head writers are gone and Mm -hmm. you guys have a new character to write for you obviously knew jesse but you weren't a part of the staff when he was still there you joined last year when andrew was a part of it. no i joined the year before so i was there for jesse's last season but i was just a writer you know uh and i did that thing that i do where i just don't speak to people for months at a time Yeah, as a head writer, that's no longer really an option. No, it's it's forced me to be social and make friends and remember people's names. And that's the hard one. I don't... That personality trait that makes you want to be the mayor and go around shaking hands and greeting everybody, being the the welcoming face is not necessarily your default position. Yeah, I'm not good at it uh, at all. It's one of the only things I'm good at. That's where I thrive. When we were doing interviews, it was really funny. Yeah, it was... (laughs) Claire would say things, and then I would just stare at Claire whenever I said, whenever she said something that I wasn't a fan of. It was I. I was just like, we would interview, and I would just say something like, you know how like you make like a little joke that's like not really funny to make the person like feel comfortable, and I'd like you know do like a little ah, ha ha ha, and then I'd turn to Lorenzo, and he'd be like dead staring at me, and I'd be like, can you just like laugh? And then he goes, say something funny. <laughs> <laughs> Like you're making them feel so uncomfortable. Yeah, I didn't know. Claire told me he was like, "You have not smiled one time <laughs> during this whole thing." And it's like I don't. I'm not a big fan of that whole. Do you think you're, you're a tough laugh at this point, having done comedy a while, or do you just think that's your default personality to be I, like? I think. Well, there was like a, a year, like maybe a three year span where I just didn't laugh at all, but I've started to laugh again. And I, that I, sounds like a song right there. That's beautiful. I've started to laugh again. Yeah. I'm coming around <laughs> after my divorce. Things are really working out for me. Uh huh. Started to laugh again. No, I don't. I would say I'm a tough laugh. Someone OSHA actually told me she had talked to this one girl who wanted to come and do writing. Went out to coffee with her, and she said that she heard I was notoriously difficult to make laugh. And you I have a like, reputation. I shouldn't campus. though. <laughs> Because no one knows me. <laughs> no one knows who I am. It's cool, though. It's like you get like an immediate like respect, kind of. Yeah. Whereas like I'm like the goofy aunt. But like it's really funny, a dynamic, like Lorenzo and I as the head writers, because we are so different. Like sure. we're pretty much like polar opposites. But like yeah. it's really cool. But we fill in the gaps that we both have. Mm-hmm. At this point, you probably have to like be able to trust each other, and if even if even if only one of you is like sold on an idea, sometimes it has to go just based on the amount of content. Or do you feel like you guys both can come together and be like, "This is quality enough to go out there"? 
I think we usually agree. Sometimes I like pitch ideas that I know are bad ideas, but I just want them so bad. Cause like I'll want to dress up like Ariana Grande. So I'll be and like, we I have to no. put Ariana Grande in the episode. By the way, we're still not doing that. <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying it's a cute idea. We wrote a whole desk piece yesterday. <laughs> I came up with specifically so we wouldn't start talking about how you could dress up like Ariana Grande on the episode. <laughs> the audience would love it. <laughs> but <laughs> Are you sure the audience would love it? I would Are love you it. The audience. <laughs> I am the audience. I'm our demographic. But yeah, no, it's um like yeah, I think Lorenzo kind of reins me in a little bit. Um, but I think for the most part we usually agree on yeah. like what's funny and not funny. He gets it though on a more like um kind of scientific level. Like he knows exactly what about the joke is like wrong and needs to be fixed, whereas I'm just like I got the heebie-jeebies about this one, boss. So. <laughs> You're Scooby. <laughs> yeah. That's our dynamic. Scooby-Doo and someone who's not in Scooby-Doo. Yeah, exactly. One of the Globetrotters just uh -huh. there for the one episode. Yeah, exactly. We had to explain who the Harlem Globetrotters were the other day. Some, to who? I don't know. Somebody had made a joke referencing them, and the audience was just like not. A whole it audience? All. It was uncomfortable. It was at Hambones a few Thursdays ago. Oh, no. It was just like, you don't know the Globetrotters? It might have been Seneca. I know it's basketball. That's true. It's true. So, so. They're, a, they're a basketball team that will do like a celebrity tour, and they beat up on another team, the Washington Generals. But okay. it's, it's not a legitimate basketball game because there's like they throw confetti at the guy on defense, and oh. they pull down the guy's shorts, and it's yeah, like, I didn't know any of that. I just thought they team. were like it's I was physical like, comedy. Yeah, I was like, where are they in the NBA? It's performance art, like professional <laughs> wrestling. They've, yeah, they're based in New York. <laughs> At this point, are there? Can you tell that there are certain writers who are like tentative about pitching jokes around you that like yeah. prefer Claire? No, one hundred. Yeah, I'm the easiest further. laugh yeah. anyone's ever met. Lorenzo made this joke one time that I'm like a baby. Like you can make me laugh by jangling keys in my face. And, and then <laughs> I jangled keys in your face and you laughed. Yeah. I mean, was, the setup was that. And so it was fulfillment, blah, blah, blah. But I still jangled keys in your face. <laughs> and it was funny. It still delivers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I um, Cause I don't know. I think I have this thing where I like, just like, I really just want to make people feel like really comfortable, even when like it's not maybe the best for like, you know, picking jokes. But I just think it's like, I don't know, for me, I'm always just laughing because I'm like, oh, like they are, they feel uncomfortable about their joke. I'll laugh at it, even if it's not funny. They'll never learn. But Lorenzo will tell them. I'll play good cop. <laughs> I don't go. I, well, I don't do that. I'm not like, hey, yeah. you know how you're you're not writing funny jokes. <laughs> you're like, really nice about it and yeah. like specific. I'll say, like, you're not defining your premise well enough. Mm -hmm. Your punchline is more commenting on the premise than it is f actually I'm creating something. something concise or specific, or it's A to B, or any number of those little things. Um, but a lot of times, there's not time to do that for, like, one specific joke, because sure. we've got however many 10 writers in the room. We all have to go around. Each of them are saying two to three jokes, but... Um, it's, I mean, that's what Pit Tonight is about. It's just trying to make a group of kids funnier. Yeah. And and you've gotten to kind of even work with the original three hosts in that and got to be, even though you're a year younger than 
Osha and Phil and, and Joey, you had experience when they started coming out. You guys yeah. were all at the university at the same time. Yeah, I was mean to them when they first started coming <laughs> out. Because I met Joey at your mic. Uh, uh, at Cativo, the yeah. wide open stage. Rest in peace. Joey had went before me, and I think I, was, I just went on stage. I was like, oh, we both go to Pitt. What, you want to kiss or something? Like, something <laughs> stupid. And then he came over and talked and asked if I wanted to join their open mic club, which was them. They would go in a room. They would tell each other their jokes. And I think I just went, no, I do actual open mics. And then okay. it was just mean. I was in a, I was in a worse place, but uh, I, I, I've, I, I, I believe that I've changed since then. Well, now you kind of are an elder statesman in a lot of ways. You've been doing this a while. And you, I think a lot of people who start out have a much warmer personality than a lot of the comics in town. That's and fair. You feel more approachable to discuss comedy. And you do, like Claire said, see the numbers in it. You look at jokes as math at times. Sometimes, yeah. There's, there's a certain angle, or at least a pursuit of how to fix something. It's not just like, that doesn't work. I think you mm-hmm. have to be a little analytical to mm-hmm. mentor young comics. Yeah, and I mean, like young people come up to me a lot, specifically sure. because you're young. You know, it's harder to approach uh, one of the thirty-year-old, six-foot-four. I don't know monoliths. why anyone would want to hang out with an adult when they're yeah. in college. I would. I never left campus, and that's probably to my detriment. As a, a, an, a, I evolved later in life. I grew up. Yeah, I don't have to prove myself to you. I hope. But a kid came up to me recently, and to me and Osha and asked if we would watch his set and Osha was like no and then she she just left and then I was like yeah I'll, I'll do it and he's like I'm up in two and I sat in Hamilton it was late it was already like midnight I had gone like hours before and it turns out he was like eight eight at, deep instead of two eight deep. deep instead of two and then also he told me his name was like David but when he got announced he was just announced as Sergey oh <laughs> all right Stage uh, name. Stage uh, name. A nom de plume. I want a stage name. What would your stage name be, Claire? Um, yeah. any, anything I'm thinking of, it just sounds like a stripper name. Right. <laughs> Anything well, that comes to mind. Well, when you started, a lot of your act was character-based, at least. Uh-huh. Did you ever think about using a stage name, or were you always Claire Donaher when you went up? I think uh, Claire Donaher, just like, because I'd feel too... Um, self-conscious about having a stage name because I'd just be like I'd, I'd overthink it but yeah it's like it's really funny how I like realized that character work is where I feel most comfortable it took me a while to get there because I was just trying to like mimic like what a, what I'd think a stand-up would sound like sure. <laughs> now had you done characters at all when you were in high school or was that something that started with improv at ruckus and yeah I'm like I'm heavily based in improv I was doing it like um basically like since I was like seven but I started doing it like more comedically in high school cool so, um, yeah, most of my stuff, like, I'm more comfortable, like, in a character-based environment because it's, like, I don't know, stand-up's, like, one of the scariest things because you get up there and you're, like, I think this is funny. And basically, like, you have to see if, like, they're going to laugh or not. But, like, with a character, it's kind of just, like, this is the person. This is their truth. Take it as you may. <laughs> Try to create a real, you know, slice of their life that you're showing off to the universe. Exactly. Now, Lorenzo, you were a stand-up, which means that you hated improv, like all stand-ups, and yeah. now have made the transition <laughs> to somebody who does both. Mm-hmm. How has that been for you in reconciling the, the disdain you had for improv prior to doing it and trying it? Well, the disdain I had was more, when I started, I had taken a class, I was gifted a class for my parents, and I just didn't enjoy it. It left a bad taste in my mouth, and like they had told me I wasn't allowed to say 
things. And it wasn't like I was saying anything offensive or mean or things like that. It was sure. things that were putting down. I, I think I, we were all in a group. Declining I, somebody's truth sort of stuff. I like. No, I think it was we were doing like bunny bunny. Uh. And I was just, uh, or something along those lines. I was like, oh, we're just being idiots here. And like it stopped. And he was just like, we don't say stuff like that. Oh and my I was just God. like, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Didn't mean to belittle your bunny bunny game. Uh huh. <laughs> and that, but no, I think I've definitely gained an appreciation of it. It's hard to not appreciate something when it makes you laugh. Yes, the laugh is undeniable. And that's the stuff that gets created. That's what I genuinely like about stand-up. Obviously, the joke writing and, and developing an act, but the stuff that happens in the room that isn't reproducible, that you can't yeah. do again because the circumstances don't line up, that's a lot of what I got out of improv and in celebrating that joy that comes with a back and forth with another person on stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's partially why I, I like long-form way more than short-form. Yeah, I don't have short-form experience. I did long-form through Skit and through Unplanned, and I was right. on a house team at Arcade for a while. Um, but I, I enjoy short-form as far as the efficiency to get to the joke, which I think is a lot of what you look for in monologue yeah. jokes and a lot of what you guys have to do to be quick on stage. But for me as an audience member, I like the, the act and as a participant of writing a play as you go. Yeah, 100%. Now, you did a show here at uh, the Unplanned Comedy Theater, Comics Alive, where they took your stand-up act and then kind of transformed it into improv. Yeah. What was that experience like? It was it was it was interesting. Also just like half the audience just knows my mom. Like they can <laughs> they just knew my mother and that was unsettling and I think I said it to them while on stage and <laughs> like half of them were like we love Eileen and we were just like oh, okay. <laughs> um but I didn't get to see the whole thing because my uh tire uh, popped. I saw most of it. It was interesting because, you know, getting any different interpretation of your own artwork is always... It's it, interesting to see how somebody takes it. Is yeah. There, is there anything that surprised you that they did on stage where it's either influenced a tag that's come since then or anything that you've been able to change mm -hmm. a joke from? Not anything that I changed, really. I'm pretty set with those jokes at the moment. I think it... Um, inspired me to try and do more character work sure. just because they put because it's improv they had to put characters within the worlds of my joke and the characters usually consist of me and a few loose nameless strangers that do whatever and uh i mean i've been trying to do like most of my stand-up before was very centered around me yeah it was very personal in, in that regard but recently i've just been trying to do stuff about things that happen to like around like I've just been doing stuff about people on the bus and uh people that I know and it's I'm not amazing at it yet I'm definitely better at the personal stuff at the moment but it's about just improving and trying to be able to describe something that actually exists outside of your own world well and it's fun to be able to then take that person that you're talking about and create a voice to them or build a character around them. And I'm sure a mm -hmm. lot of improv helps to push that as far as not necessarily writing a character for yourself, but if you're writing for your host, Andrew or the other people that you put into sketches, what's it like writing for stuff that you aren't physically in? Is it different than when you were writing your stand up bits? 
Yeah, it's different because it's it's really nice knowing Andrew like as a person, uh, like also like as seeing him as a host. Because I also know like what he won't do, you know, like because he does he likes to take like to play like a very like egocentric like diva mm-hmm. kind of. But you know, like I know like how far he'll go, and not taking a joke too far. But also like writing it in his voice is really different. Yeah, I mean, if I Andrew and my voice. Pretty different. Oh, yeah. Mine, yeah. too. And it just comes to how would Andrew, uh, a young gay man who's a Quaker <laughs> and who lived in a small town, mm-hmm. um, how would he experience this and what might he say? Mm-hmm. And it's so different from just me growing up in a city my whole life and being a straight <laughs> man doing that. Like... It's just, it, it adds a layer of difficulty, but I almost enjoy that there is an extra obstacle. Does it allow you to push the envelope or get jokes in that you wouldn't be able to deliver from your personality? I mean, I try to stay away from it just because I, I think I won't write it correctly. Sure. I'm not going to write uh, a joke from a gay man's perspective correctly. Fair. There's, it's just, it will lack... Uh, all those little details and those little truths that would exist. Um, so no, I don't like. At the end of the day, I'm just trying to write a concise, funny joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That hopefully anyone can do. If anyone can do the joke, fantastic. Um, every once in a while, we'll do something along those lines. Um, uh, but you know, if you do a sex joke, you have to do a sex joke uh, with Andrew's uh, sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just about those slight tweets. It's like writing your own joke and then retrofitting it to um, someone else's experience. Perspective. Sure. With the writing team, how involved are you in the interview side of things? Do you have to help create questions? Like, could you help me right now in having questions ready for this moment? <laughs> nope. That's not our job. Yeah, you don't no, cover that at no, all. No, we don't do <laughs> very luckily. Uh, we have a talent department that goes out and does like a pre-interview with the guests oh, and cool. they'll get a list of questions and then they'll do that. And Andrew this year actually has uh, decided that he wants to be in charge of the games that he plays. Oh, cool. And I think, I mean, where he's doing it and I think that's just allowing the host who's a very good comedian in his own right to have some creative control when he might not otherwise. Yeah, he seems more comfortable doing it that way too. Mm-hmm. Just, he likes it. Yeah, he's a, well, he's, he just gets more spontaneous. Yeah. Which is his style 100%. <laughs> would, um, would you guys be able to say what the game is for this coming weekend or is that something that Andrew keeps close to the chest until he needs props he and stuff taken care of? He is stupidly secretive about yeah. it. <laughs> just let us edit it. Yeah. Just tell us and then let us make it funnier <laughs> because <laughs> why, why not? Yeah, why not see it from a different perspective? But it's still like, I do think he gets, um, like it helps him get outside of his own head when it's just like him doing it because he's less like self-conscious about the decisions he makes. Um, yeah, I think it's more, he's more uh, accustomed to doing it like when he feels like he has full creative reign. Yeah, well, and it's nice to have the lead into something. I know mm-hmm. when Jesse was at the helm, he kind of felt like he had a hand in all parts of it yeah. and was kind of juggling everything when he and I sat down ahead of his final episode. Mm-hmm. So it's it's probably a little bit more calming to be like, these are the things we each focus on and yeah. have. We have uh, a bigger staff. We're more organized now. And that just 
comes to Andrew doesn't have to do all those things, where right. Jesse did have to. At this point uh, of the, the staff, the size of it, are there people that are still pursuing stand-up outside of kind of you and maybe a handful of people? I know a lot of people have graduated at this mm-hmm. point versus I'm, I'm sure quite a bit of the staff is made up of ruckus and the other improv-focused people. Actually, there's very few people who do improv in the writers room. We're actually getting uh, a couple who are going to try out, and that's sort of what we try to do. There, we were The comedy like groups at Pitt were weirdly segmented. They were just in their own little areas and that's been one of our goals this year is to try and breach those gaps good um so we've gone and approached ruckus people like hey do you want to come and do pit tonight we know you're funny we'd like you as a writer and uh just doing that with everyone most of them they just want to come and write yeah and i have we just did all those interviews with the new people and i encouraged people to do stand up Mm -hmm. hard I think I in almost every one I was like, "Are you interested in doing stand up or any other comedy? You know what what those other it's ones?" Very leading question. Uh-huh. Yes. I still think it was so funny the way you asked it. It just seemed like it was like the most serious thing in the world. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm not good at that stuff. No, it's okay. That you got you were great with the last interview. You found That's your mojo. <laughs> we took a break. We <laughs> decided that unwrapped starbursts, those little unwrapped, are way worse than okay. regular ones. We They're started terrible. playing a mystery. Sandman remix and yeah. just twirled around in our chairs until the last interview came in. And it was because we had like a 10 minute break because the guy was late. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I should have fun. I shouldn't just. It's supposed st- to be fun. Just stare yeah. these people right in the eye. It's very easy to forget that. It's uh, something I remind myself of. Remember, stress like two comics before me as I'm like waiting to go on stage. Like, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be having fun. And if I'm having fun, it's much easier for the audience to have fun. How often do you still get nervous? Um, for before big shows, you yeah. know, it doesn't happen as often. Or if I'm going up and I'm, it's more probably a nervousness out of an unpreparedness for the moment. If I have new jokes that I want to work on, but they're not as well conceived as I'd like them to be and taking them up there without, you know, a real direction in where I want to go. Do you have like a strategy to get yourself in that mode? Like a little pre stage ritual i pace back and forth by the uh the side uh where that weird mirror is at Hambones, where yeah. the waitresses are <laughs> mm-hmm. and i slap myself in the face a couple times if i'm feeling sleepy which happens a lot at night really yeah i get tired i'll quick like quick taps um and or if i have before like bigger shows if i am nervous i'll have another comic do it to me just like <laughs> slap me across the who face have you there. had slap you <laughs> Uh, Harry for sure. Oh, good. Nick, a good um, Ian Insect, uh, Kevin O'Brien before improv shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I need it, I because I do. I get tired, and it's a good way to get blood. How do you approach? How face. do you how do you approach them? Like, hey, just real quick, could you just slap me in the yeah, face? Essentially, yeah. You get face to face with them, like, and just get in front of them and go, "I need you to do me a favor right now," mm-hmm. and go ahead and just hit me in the face. I'm just glad you slap have me across the face. I'm glad you have people in your life who care about you enough to slap the <laughs> shit out of yeah. you. Yeah, and Garrett, we'll always slap you in the face if you need yeah, it. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we want that. to so Yeah, bad. listen, Lorenzo's please. like, I didn't know Can this was we? a position available <laughs> on those shows. <laughs> You're not even on the on the list. You're just there. I'm just looking <laughs> to get... Just warming your hands. <laughs> just hit him right in the face. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess, like, I, I used to do... A, I get nervous less, but, like, yeah, with, like, big shows, and I do a thing. I count down from 300 by 3. Okay. That's always forces been, you to think about something else. One hundred percent, and it's like that's my strategy. Like not just for comedy, but for just like whenever you're overwhelmed, it gets you to just uh, think about something 
entirely different. And but then it's gotten to the point where I can do that specific you have, sequence you of another, numbers another very well. So yeah, okay. you do like four hundred by fours or <laughs> four hundred by seven or whatever gets you out of your nervous head at the moment. Now, do you have a ritual when it goes well afterwards to help celebrate yeah, or remind yourself? Yeah, I go and I go to someone I go, that set sucked. Yeah, that you do. That was terrible. <laughs> Every single time almost. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unless it real, goes like really well, I'm just like, yeah, that was all right. That was yeah. <laughs> Those are my two modes. They were having fun in there. I'll go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They seem like they're having a good time. They're a good I'm sure crowd. everybody was doing well. They're a good crowd. They want punchlines. Go in there. <laughs> when it goes, I go, I'm the funniest boy. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's good to remind yourself. Do you yeah. find that now that you have to write monologue jokes, that you're more tuned in to current events or what's going on in the world? Oh, my God. I am the least tuned in person I've ever met. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, We've actually, we've strayed away from the traditional monologue setting, which is a huge relief for me because when I was, like, writing my application for Fit Tonight last year, I was just like... I don't know what's happening. And then like I went to my first meeting and they were like talking about like politics and I was like, oh my God, I'm a baby. (laughs) Like I'm so stupid. But then like we're doing a less traditional monologue because Andrew really thrives on more like, you know, character work, more skit sketch like stuff Mm -hmm. um so that's where i really thought where we can get like as weird as we want it doesn't have to make sense and i don't have to pretend to be intelligent and i love that we're just doing a monologue in the sense that andrew is alone on stage Mm -hmm. sure but everything else from there you can veer wherever you want you can veer yeah um it's more leaning towards his skills and character work and finding a way to introduce a show because okay. we have the comedian who comes up first and introduces the show. And Do then, a warm-up act. Uh-huh. And then um, he basically comes on, you know, music, welcome Andrew Dow, come on, blank. And, like, that monologue, that standard late-night structure is a crutch. I mean, it, it was in the sense that we knew exactly the things we had to do before. And we're being a little more loose just as an experiment. If it goes horribly, we might be writing some monologue jokes yeah, again. head back in. Uh-huh. But, I mean, I, I, seeing how the writing process is going so far, I think it's going to go well. And I think we're going to try it again the next month. Very cool. And now how often are you guys putting up programming this year? Uh, once a month. And we're doing a ton. Once a month for the live show. Yeah. Um, and we're going to try and start doing sketches and promos. And, you know, a promo is just essentially, it's one punchline. A 30-second quick mm-hmm. button, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, and a, a sketch would be like that one punchline, but then we'd elevate it three or four times um, just till it gets to its biggest end, just like improv, finding the truth and elevating it. But In your experience, has there been anybody that you were surprised that, you've been able to get as a guest for the show? Somebody that was bigger than you would have expected to be willing to show up? Uh, The mayor. I was just, how? How do you know people? Yeah. Do you leave, when you leave your house, you don't see the mayor. I actually, Cappy's. That's not true. Yeah. He went to Cappy's all the time. I think you know if mayor. he could find a way to defund comedy, <laughs> I think he might he have might after have. Cappy's. <laughs> Sorry, Cappy's. Mm-hmm. Claire, yes. Is it different writing a character for 
Andrew versus you, or have you been able to take any of like the characters you enjoy doing yourself and been able to find ways to give them to other people? I'm selfish. I like to keep my characters for me. Um, but Andrew and I, um, we're, we have very uh, similar kind because we're both like uh, improv based and like we like to do those wildly crazy things and like with the whole like I'm very in tune with gay culture, Garrett. I get, I get it. I get the kids, yep. so I can. Uh, I get those like jokes for Andrew and like he like gets them and I like know that he'll be able to do them well because like we both know that Mariah Carey is a skinny legend. So <laughs> I can say that and I know that he'll love it no yeah, matter what. Yeah, <laughs> I did tell that joke to someone else and she was just like, huh? Like that's not. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> It's hard to explain, but I just know that it always gets a laugh from Andrew. But yeah, his um, characters, um, they, I, it's different because um, my characters are very like in tune to me, kind of. I like to do very cutesy, um, kind of pathetic characters either or, but like Andrew and I both do have like the kind of very like kind of monstrous, like egocentric characters too. They're fun you to like write. to go big and then yeah. also be able, it's fun to go like low status and like try to tell the yeah. come up story too. Sure. Um, I had something. Let's think what <laughs> was it? What was it? You got this. Lorenzo. Mm -hmm. Garrett. You took over booking for collegiates and comedians. That's true. You've been doing comedy since you were 17 years old. You've been on good lineups. You've been on bad lineups. You've mm -hmm. been a part of shows that had, uh, you know, mismanaged orders and things like that. How do you look at booking a show for the University of Pittsburgh? I know you did orientation weekend right when the festival was in town, so you had the ability to pick Hunter Roberts and Kelsey Claire Hagan uh -huh. uh, and OSHA, who have all been on this podcast before, if people want to go back and listen to any of those episodes. Yeah, go back and take a listen, guys. Wait till the end of this one. And then <laughs> no, st <laughs> stop this. <laughs> Pause do the it. whole one. Come back so you have reference. Good. Mm -hmm. Um... I think part of it is just like choosing comedians that I like. Yeah. I, I you know, I don't want to book people who I don't think can do the time that uh, I want them to do. And uh, there is also giving people chances. That's more of the collegiate spot. For, for those of you who don't know, Collegiates and Comedians is a show where we take one uh, college stand-up, someone who's maybe just starting or maybe just trying to dip their toe in, and if they show... If they've shown that they're, they're coming out, they're working hard, um, I'll give them a 10-minute set at the beginning of this show, and it's with two other comedians from the scene. And so it's just a way for them to build their own network and to maybe make a friend in this comedy community. Um, That's what it's all about, folks. Making mm -hmm. friends. Yeah, mm -hmm. stand-up sucks when you're alone. It really oh. can, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think, yeah, it's, uh, and, and you don't want to be... So far the other way, because there are people who look at it just as a chance to be in the club and hang out and it's a hobby. Yeah. And certainly there's a level of respect that can be had for that. But you're looking to be around people that you genuinely think are funny, mm -hmm. that make you laugh. And it's so much more enjoyable when we are all doing well or we're all rooting for each other than, yeah. the, than the type of personality who is actively rooting against other people's successes and we all have moments where we're like i would like to be on that show or they're frustrated that you didn't get something yet but it's never about the other people and i think that's tough for no, i mean we all have those like how did that person get on that show people get stuff <laughs> earlier than we might expect them to or mm -hmm. we're not the ones who booked and that's them. fine oh wait, yeah Let's i have a cute them. story um this so better be fucking cute claire it's really cute <laughs> um garrett gave me my first show last year 
um, here where we are now. That's true. The home club. Yes. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but so my mother had found out like through Facebook and like me just like saying, oh, hey, like I have a show. She like knew I was doing it, but like I had like told my family, like, I don't want you guys to like come see me or anything. Cause like, I want to like get good at it. So my mother, my sweet dear mother drives up here. It's like a six hour drive. Doesn't tell me goes in disguise, like wearing a hat, standing in the back of the room watching. <laughs> and then she leaves without saying anything to me and goes home. And I find out like four months later that she did this. And she comes to me like, Claire, like, promise you won't be mad at me and I'm like why would I be mad but that was such a weird thing to do <laughs> <laughs> that's so fun yeah. it's odd and creepy and I'm <laughs> happy that you came I wish you would have said hi we could have uh, brought you on stage or introduced you and exactly. embarrassed Claire thoroughly but she would have loved it just kidding <laughs> that's so fun we did I guess it was four months after the fact there's nothing to really be mad about yeah you know, like, the set went well yeah and plus like my dad has come up with like my uncles who are like the worst people I can even imagine doing it in front of and they've come <laughs> to see me do a set and it was probably like one of the worst nights of my life and like they know that I love them all to death but it was just like I don't know it was really weird <laughs> um but yeah like nothing can really top that so when my mom came up to see me and didn't say anything and was like quiet I was like okay that's fine <laughs> she's like no I don't need a hotel I'll drive back she literally hours. she bought a hat from Rite Aid to like a bucket <laughs> hat so like I wouldn't recognize her and I'm like who are you like <laughs> that's too funny yeah the unplanned comedy Just warehouse. Kidding. Plenty of places to hide when you're undercover. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. She's like a spy. <laughs> Lorenzo, what's it been like having your parents come out? Was there a hesitation in that first year I or so? I hate it. Yeah. I hate it so it's much. It's the worst. Um, I, my mom was talking to me about it today because for the most part, I, I asked them, please don't come to my shows. It makes me uncomfortable and I always perform worse when yeah. they're there. And I, they've only seen me like twice. Um. One of the PCF contests, I feel like I remember yep. you addressing it from stage when I was in the audience or uh -huh. on the same, like in the green room, maybe. Uh, yeah, I think that was t last year. Okay. Last year I did the PCF and they were there and it just like, I, I'm not like, I didn't look out into the audience because I knew they would be there. Sure. And it forces so, you up or down with your eyes. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it. that's a big thing is looking at the audience and Very much so. making them feel like you're confident in the things you're saying. And when you're looking down, that's uh, not so good. And uh, my mom today was trying to guilt me into letting her come to the Sam Talent show. They just want to be supportive. They yeah, want no, they do. And I really appreciate it. And I just don't want them there yeah. because I know they don't find me funny. Now, yeah, I was about to say, if they could listen, I've sent my parents like audio tape before I let them come in. They've, I've done a few fundraiser mm -hmm. shows back in Ohio and I've, I've had the chance to tour through the area. So they've seen me and they had seen me do improv too, which is probably more like reassuring. Yeah. Could you invite them to ruckus and feel less weird or? No. Yeah. Because oh, it's, it's way, my being on ruckus is so different from my personality. Like my standup is yeah. at least kind of similar to who story. I am. Yeah. Um, but ruckus... It's just I, I'm la I'll be loud and I don't do that at home because I don't want to, like I, I don't enjoy uh, speaking up yeah. <laughs> at home. Yeah, we're kind of like the opposite. I feel much more like myself when I'm doing improv, like less nervous. And my parents have seen me do improv before. So like whenever they come up, I'm like, yeah, like come to ruckus and everything. Mm -hmm. But it feels so much weirder like when they want to come see me say, do stand up. And it's so hard saying no. But it's like I know also like my dad doesn't think I'm funny like when I do stand up and he 
oh my God, I, I just feel like he doesn't laugh at my jokes. And it's funny because I get most of my sense of humor from my dad, but we're both like very similar in that like, we're both always thinking of the next joke that we're gonna say. So like, we're never like really like listening to the other person's sure. joke. So it's just like a really weird like face off. Now the show that you did with your dad and your uncles coming up, were you still Ugh. doing kind of the same bit that you did at the show your mom came to? No, it was different. It was, I it was like, yeah, it wasn't, the one that my mom came to was my character work one with a like detective and I had my own little thing. And I felt very comfortable doing that one. But I really did want to get into a more traditional like stand up routine. So I started like, you know, like writing stand up jokes that I did feel more comfortable than I did at the beginning, but still like weird. So then uh, my, like it was like five of my uncles and my dad and they're just like uh, they, they are all talking about the jokes that they would do if they were on stage. And I'm just like, OK, like I'm probably not going to do those because it's different. I'm a little girl. <laughs> but, <laughs> uncles all think they're funny. Well, most yeah. people think they're Everybody, funny. Yeah. once they find out you're a comic, wants to pitch you their joke. Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, that, but that's a joke that's already written. And it's <laughs> like a, a joke you you didn't write either, man. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love the quote, like, oh, my God, you should put this in your skit. And I'm like, no, no like, no. it's Can't just different. My skits. No, yeah, my <laughs> don't call it a skit. Um, but, yeah, no, it was lovely. Like, I, oh, my God, I love my uncles. I have a huge family um, and they're all like really funny. They're very loud personalities. But it is just like it was so weird because like there is the generation gap and like just like a different like I just think different things are funnier than they do. And also like at Cappy's, they were like. Um, just like such a different demographic than everyone else there. Sure. They also got like called out. I forget who else was on that show, but they were like, and there's just a bunch of bald guys in the back. Like, what are you doing here? Does your and family was, have bad genes? <laughs> no, they're... They're a khaki family. <laughs> they all look exactly <laughs> I got a Lorenzo same. laugh. That's all it takes. He's, oh my God, he's just been laughing so much more this year. Humor. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's nice or fake you don't That's know true yeah so i love it even anyway but yeah i made um you no, laughed it's, during it's a, real <laughs> really you promise i promise <laughs> during improv i made you laugh like with bjork when i did him and that was the happiest moment of my life oh, don't have higher standards no lorenzo you're gonna live a long life and i hope, <laughs> I hope that there approval. are better moments down in the future <laughs> somewhere than <laughs> that but <laughs> what has it been like trying to take that kind of improv knowledge you had from high school and starting as like a, a preteen even, mm -hmm. and then coming to college where a lot of people, it's probably their first team, and you're one of the more experienced people, um, is that it's obviously challenging to do comedy with other people generally, mm -hmm. but so much of improv is based on scene partnerships and developing that kind of similar sense of humor like you have with Andrew and, and yeah. other people. So what's that like being somebody who's the, the wily vet, and how does that help you in now being a head writer where you kind of have to mentor people that aren't as deliberate, deliberately funny as you? Yeah, it is. Um, it's different. In uh, Ruckus especially, it's kind of like, when you're a baby, which is what we call like the new people, you're a baby, kind of like despite um, the experience you've had, they kind of just like, 
put everyone on one level. And I think that helps a lot because like it forces you to just like work just as hard as everyone else. But it was like kind of frustrating at the beginning because I was like, I've been doing this for years. But I think it did like it pushed me to like work on the things that I definitely had wrong with like my execution and stuff. And it's really weird because um, sorry, I'm also I'm sick. I feel like I should mention that I don't usually sound like this. We have Claire sitting as far away as possible, <laughs> the far end of the table. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it was weird because I had never really done stand up or really like comedy writing until I got to it. Like I had done a little bit of writing, but not really. So when I started doing stand-up, improv, and writing at the same time, it was weird because improv didn't translate over as much as I thought it would. Like, they're very different styles of comedy. And it, it was like I had to relearn, like, everything in a different way and learn to, like, turn one off when you do the other. Because you can't, like, do the same jokes across all platforms. It doesn't work. Right. There are yeah. definitely jokes that you come up with that you try as stand-up and then you realize they would work better in a sketch or they mm -hmm. work better in a different format. Yeah. For sure, some things are just tweets. Yeah, it's really weird. What do you think are the areas of improv? Like when you did a lot of improv. Yeah. And what are the areas you think that really helped you or, or at least influenced your style of stand-up? I've always been somebody, I think, especially with improv, that enjoyed that kind of quick back and forth of going at it with somebody else. So it helps to find yeah. ways to take that and either try to translate it into crowd work or try to translate it into a character in a bit sometimes. Yeah. Or at least what ultimately, I, I when I signed up for my first improv class, my goal was to get to stand up, but I wanted to get back to that kind of stage confidence that I had when I was younger and I had done like a TV show in high school. Because I didn't do any comedy related stuff from the time I left high school. I did like a radio show in college for maybe a year or two, but I really wasn't right. like an MC or a personality even um, until you know I'd been in Baltimore for five years. So it was like a six, seven year gap without kind of doing anything that was entertainment based. And so I wanted to dip my toe and just feel comfortable on stage again. Which was starting, did starting again feel like an entirely new experience or did you have some, like I remember doing something similar to this back when I did I, radio. I never really did improv or, or traditional acting. We had done like a TV kind of news sketch show in right. high school for one year. And my main focus had been more like journalism or like being an MC type of like, host for a homecoming rally and mm -hmm. that sort of like teacher student basketball game play by play yeah you know, that sort of stuff <laughs> um which is all fun how many of those did you we had two too many yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. powder puff football i'll run the scoreboard and make announcements and nice stuff. I, I from like fourth grade i remember we had moved to ohio and my teacher like had me be santa claus for like a sketch kind of like interview with a student oh, as, as, like a, and so there were always like ways to get into acting and then by the time high school came around i didn't do plays i didn't do musicals or anything i was playing sports i threw shot put in discus and i played football but mm -hmm. i was always a cut up i was always a personality i looked for reasons for like to turn my french project into a way for me to do a tv commercial yeah. into a way to like do videography some sort of like a, a capture entertainment where I could be a personality and kind of find ways to be on camera. When I was in 10th grade, I think I did one of my project, like I just did a PowerPoint about stand-up. I did that too. I also did it in 10th grade. Yeah, uh, what was yours about? Do you remember? Yeah, I just did it. We had to do it on something that we were like passionate about. So I just like chose all the stand-ups that I had like listened to and did it kind of like as a stand-up routine. It like, you know, it got, la it sucked, but it got I, laughs. I got no laughs. I did it. I did it. <laughs> 
deadly serious. Yeah, people love this me, is Lorenzo. Art. <laughs> In greats. Look at this. <laughs> You don't get it. That's you don't so get funny. It. I was That is who I was in high school. It's like you kids don't Way care. more serious. Well, yeah, if you're the type of person who at 17 decides that they want to go out and start doing comedy and hang out with adult men and women in their 30s and 40s sometimes, it's it you definitely are not the kind of person who's hanging out with other high schoolers at No, point. you're right. I had no friends. <laughs> yeah, you're like, <laughs> "No, you are dumb." The no, things you I like had a, are I had dumb. a couple of friends, but no, I was definitely you weren't hanging out with I, no, Taylor gang. I wasn't fun. I'm all, <laughs> like, there's always that idea. Like, yeah, I, I went to Taylor Alderdice and Taylor gang is like the fans of Mac Miller and Wiz Khalifa. And I always, <laughs> I'm like, what if people from there find out that like, I'm a part of that? And like, Oh, we're going to go see this Taylor gang kid. And they're just like, this isn't like Mac Miller or Wiz Khalifa at all. <laughs> this is, this is depressing stand up. <laughs> this is, well, we paid our money. Well, <laughs> supporting the cause. Let's sh- sit through this. Well, Taylor Gang, it is. <laughs> Do they have a Taylor Gang in Philadelphia? I don't know what that is. Uh, Taylor Alderdice was the high school that I went to, and it is the school where Mac Miller and Wiz Khalifa both oh, came from. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really have any uh, famous rappers. We didn't have any school. really famous alums. I think like the woman that wrote like the Bernstein Bears went to my high school. I, that's great. I think like too tall grizzly in the house. <laughs> he was the bully in those books. Why? Why? Well, I guess the other names are Mama, Papa, Mama, Papa sister, brother, <laughs> bear, sister, bear. I can't really think of anyone that was really like. I mean, we had like we have a huge like Hall of Fame in the lobby, and like every once in a while, like I'll read them and I'll be like, oh, like this obscure like person. But there's no one that like is really like in like pop culture right now that went to my high school. I mean, for Pitt, we have Jonas Salk. That's who we got. Paul. Yeah, Dan Marino. Oh yeah, we had Dan Marino. You, I, you don't know who Dan Marino is. What? I mean, I do, of course. Bruno San Martino's from Oakland. Mm-hmm. Andy Warhol, you right. hear him? Oh yeah. There you go. I've been to the museum. Good. <laughs> the football man, Dan Marino. <laughs> I was about to say Andy Warhol was a yep. football man. Yep. Is there any major differences between this side of the state and where you grew up? Um, yeah, it, I don't know. It's, it's different because mostly I think just like the people. Like it was really weird. I feel like I, people look at me differently here than people looked at me over there. It's, it's just kind of like a different, it's, I don't know. It's really weird. How do they weird. look at you here? It, here, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. People look at me as like very stereotypical, like, um, Kind of like the girl in a high school movie that's like kind of like ditzy. You do play that up though when you're uncomfortable. I do because I like told Andrea I like to pretend that I'm not an engineering major because yeah. it makes people feel more comfortable. Um, and also it's just kind of like I don't know it's easy, but like in high school, like I don't know, I think I was that different in high school, but like I definitely like no one thought of me as like like I don't know I was just kind of like the weird friend, the goofy one that like didn't really care about how like she she dressed like how she wanted and like you know i had a great sense of style just people didn't appreciate it which back how then. would you describe how you dress claire um people called it quirky yep i it, listen it's very right now it's trendy it's trendy it's again. very trendy right now yes what about in 50 years claire 50 years i'll be doing something else something just weird wearing a ladybug backpack <laughs> probably like a barbie princess backpack like ironically like you know what i mean galoshes i'll be like 80 and i'll be like <laughs> have you seen the barbie merit post the movies <laughs> and then your friend will just die right there <laughs> 
Why do you think that so many people, at least from the head writers that I've known from your show, OSHA and Phil and mm-hmm. Joey, are all engineering majors? Why do you think that, I don't think the average person would assume that yeah. they're similar. So how is it that you're able to kind of balance the two? Or what is it that you find similar about engineering and comedy? I find it really weird. I don't think I have, like, I don't think the same way as a lot of the people in my my classes do. And even, like, when I interned over the summer, like, under a mechanical engineer, it's like, they're way more like logical thinking than I am. Like I'm a very emotional thinker, but I'm also like, I'm very, don't mean to flex, but like I'm very good at math and science. Um, (laughs) But like Lorenzo thinks way more logically and like practically about things than I do. Um, At least like I found like hanging out with him, like like, I'll be like, oh my God, Lorenzo, like I'm so hungry. And instead of being like, oh, me too, he'll be like, well, there's a plethora of restaurants around here that you could go to. That's a direct quote. That, <laughs> That's literally. Uh, she, she brings up a lot. <laughs> Identify a problem. Like, the man has solutions. Solve, <laughs> solve the problem. I think it just like sums up just like how we talk to each other. It's like perfect. Mm-hmm. But With a, my monotone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And me being like, oh my God, I'm starving. I'm going to die. And Lorenzo being like, you could fix that if you wanted to. <laughs> you could, you could solve your stop own problems, Claire, exactly. and not tell me about them. <laughs> but, um, oh man, sorry, I got caught up in that memory. What was I talking about? Uh, it started out with engineering. engineering. Oh, engineering, okay. Yeah, so like like I said, Lorenzo looks at jokes very like kind of mathematically, the same way that I would look at like a math problem, but I don't look at it that way. It's like more of just like a, a vibe and like, you know, does it sound right? Like, you know, kind of like a, Mm-hmm. music <laughs> but those are just and what you're describing is an intuitive version of just joke structure yeah joke yeah format and like no one sits you down and goes okay here's what you need you need to have this part of the setup you need to have an emotional direction to you push can, your audience into you, you can need, still know if you like a song even if you don't understand yeah, 100%. Yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah you're like this sounds good to me i enjoy this if people want to come out this Sunday to see the show, what is the best way to seek out the live taping of Pit Tonight? Uh, the live taping is at Belfield Hall, um, October 21st at 8 p.m., I believe. Eight. Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, and it's just show up. Uh, it's, it's free if you have a Pit ID. We just, yeah, come and fill the seats. Comedy shows are fun when people are there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, um, it's in Oakland. Just go to campus. Find Belfield Hall. It's a very nice theater. It's old. It's got, like, <laughs> velvet seats. It's really pretty. If not, come for the show. I don't come like for velvet. the theater. I don't like sitting on velvet really? seats. Really? I'm sitting on a velvet seat right now. I thought I took the better chair. I just have, like, it's old. And Could have just made him uncomfortable the whole like, show. That would have been so nice. New velvet is fun, but it's just, it gets all old and dusty and smells, like, it smells like know. luxury, Lorenzo. Like luxury, I guess. <laughs> I've got one final question we've been doing on the show for a little while now. It's a segment we call Always Improving, and I oppose to the guests, what is it that we can do to improve the experience here on Earth for everyone? So what is it that we can do? And again, I will tell you, Always Improving, as always, is brought to you by our friends at the Greenbrier Treatment Center. If you know someone struggling with drug or alcohol addiction, you can call Greenbrier confidentially at 1-800-637-HOPE or online at greenbrier.net. Always improving. What is it, guys? What can we do to make this world a little bit better for everybody? I feel like um, the easy one to say is just like being kinder, but like more specifically, I don't know. I think that just like 
you know, making people feel like what they say is valid, like listening, laughing at their jokes, you know. Make the jokes. Not waiting for your turn to speak like you were talking about earlier. It's, <laughs> you know, being present in a conversation, I think, uh-huh. is helpful. Oh, yeah. That's something I'm working on, definitely. Uh, if you're going to do something, work hard on it and take criticism. Well, yeah. whenever someone is just like, hey, uh, have you ever considered this? Don't be like, well, <laughs> I don't like you. I don't want to join your like stupid stand-up club. I don't want to join. I didn't. And maybe I should have. But then they, uh, it dissolved and they all came out to mics. And they started doing real mics. Like <laughs> you told funny. them. doing real mics. Now, uh, take criticism. People, even if they don't have all the information they're generally tuning into something. You don't always have to apply it. You don't always have to take every piece of advice that you get. No, and, of course and, not. And you if shouldn't. You, I but, agree. But you should always be willing to hear it and be able to take that feedback and process it through your experience to see how you can edit or change. Because, um, and I wish we did more of it in stand-up because not everybody. Yeah, that's is how people become delusional. Yeah, nobody thinks that they're nobody's listening to each other. But ultimately, I've been trying recently. It's tough because you still want to balance the social piece of it too, and and it's nice to just hang out with your friends. And mm-hmm. we all have to focus on our own jokes too. But yeah. on those days where you're just hanging out, or you get to go up early and you can just be in the room and watch your friends do comedy, yeah. that is the best part of it. I'll generally ultimately. watch like the top. Like maybe twelve. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll dip in and out after. Then. I try to get in the room at least five people ahead of me to get a vibe for what's yeah. going on. And then, yeah, see when you're going up, a few different voices and and yeah, get a feel for what's happening so I can actively not do something or do something based on what's yeah. happened. You just don't think that you have the answers. If the guests want to find out where you are, you're more than welcome to promote your social media here before we sign off. Uh, Instagram at Donaher Claire. That's D O N A H E R C L A R E. You can also feel free to subscribe to my YouTube channel that I don't really post on anymore. Every once in a while, it'll be cute. <laughs> uh, I just have a Facebook. Just friend. Just, just, be, just friend. be my friend. <laughs> just be Lorenzo's friend. Lorenzo De Silvio, Claire Donaher. Thank you for coming out. Garrett Teitelbaum, it's nice to see he's working here on Unplanned Comedy Pods. New episodes every Tuesday, all October long. Brand new guests. Thank you both for coming out and hanging out with me today. Thanks, Garrett. Thanks, Garrett. You're both really neat. (laughs) You have been listening to Unplanned Comedy Pods, a podcast collection.